Pizza City is brought to you in part by United Healthcare. How crazy is it to think you can actually have your insurance company pay you to walk? United Healthcare isn't crazy. They just want you to be healthy. One of their programs is called United Healthcare Motion, where members can earn more than a thousand bucks a year toward their health reimbursement account just for walking. If your company works with United Healthcare, ask your friendly HR person about their programs. And if not, go tell them to switch today. Go to uhc.com slash Illinois Motion to get more information. United Healthcare, a proud supporter of the Illinois Restaurant Association and committed to your good health. I just hated, I knew what that box was doing in that pizza. And finally, I said, you know what, I'm doing well enough. If I pull the plug on this, more people will come in. They'll order more alcohol when they come in rather than taking it home. And I'll make up for it. Well, I pulled the plug. And I didn't make up for it right away. And in addition to that, I got a lot of heat from people. A child of Brooklyn who became a corporate drone, discovering his true passion later in life. From a handmade, backyard, wood-fired pizza oven to the pride of Greenpoint, he's become a mentor to several young pizza makers, launching his brand in a couple of other cities. The story behind Pauly G's straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome to the show this week, everybody. Great to have you along with us. Great show for you today, talking with uh, really a beloved figure in the pizza world, Pauly G in New York City. And um, I met Pauly a couple of years ago at his restaurant. Um, my wife and I were doing research for my New York leg of my of my pizza research. So I had done all the research in Chicago. I went to 185 places for the book, and then I realized, shit, I better go to New York City because if I'm going to have any kind of a conversation with anybody intelligently about pizza, I better understand the New York City landscape. So I reached out to a couple of friends who are writers, uh, one of them, Lawrence Weidman, who goes by um, NYC Pizza Guy. I'm sorry, NYC Food Guy. That's his Instagram. And... Uh, he gave me a couple of places, including Pauly G's in Greenpoint. Um, went there with my wife. Uh, Pauly, as he does with every table, walks around, touches high touch every table, uh, sends you a limoncello uh, at the end of the meal, which is great. And just super nice guy. And we kind of hit it off. And then I, I followed up. I saw him at the Pizza Expo not long after in Las Vegas. Um, went on a pizza crawl with him to Long Island and to Queens, which was a lot of fun. I mean... And he's got a thing about hats, too. Uh, if you've got a pizza hat, boy, he wants it. Um, I saw him uh, engage with a gentleman from Amore um, in, in, I think it was in Queens. Boy, that was interesting. Um, and then um, watched him help uh, launch Derek Tongue here in Chicago um, at Poly G. So there's a couple of Poly G's. One in Baltimore, one closed in Miami, um, one in Columbus. And he started the one in, in Chicago a couple years ago with Derek, a local guy. And he's really become this mentor to several other people. I know Dave from Philomena's in Queens, another fantastic place, did some work there uh, with Polly. Uh, if you've ever heard of Mike's Hot Honey, uh, Mike actually 
logged some hours making pizzas at Pauly G's in Greenpoint. It really was a vehicle to get his condiment launched. And of course, now Mike's Hot Honey is everywhere. Um, And he's celebrating 10 years in business this year. So it is kind of a nice uh, putting a bow on this one, uh, having him on the show here in his 10th year in business. Um, He did just open up a slice shop about a year ago, um, less than a year ago. And it took him forever to open it up because he really wanted it to to look like an old place, kind of like if you've ever been to Scars on the Lower East Side. It it feels like it's been there forever. And Paulie wanted this place to you know have the the orange those hard booths you had as a kid, and he wanted to have the Atari uh, arcade game, which I played when I was there, which was kind of funny. Talk about a throwback. Um, and the slices are a throwback as well. I was just so excited to sit down with him for a good half an hour or so and have a chat about how he got into this business because it wasn't a, a clear line. It wasn't um, predictable. Like he didn't grow up, you know, in a pizzeria like a lot of guys do. And I think it's very um, inspiring to a lot of people who realize, you know what, I've got a passion. I want to do this. How do I do this? He took this road. And as he said, he kind of, you know, pushed through these walls of fear to get to where he is today. So I met up with him at the Slice Shop, just up the block from his original pizzeria in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Paulie G, thanks for being on the show today. My pleasure. Uh, Tell me about your earliest pizza memory. There was a um, little pizza shop. It was like a half pizza shop. It was about 10 feet wide near where I lived in Kensington. It's what they now call South Brooklyn. There was this little shop, and that's the first memory of pizza that I have and it was just a plain New York slice and to this day if I have a slice like that it's delicious but on top of that more importantly I think where my love for pizza came from I lived in a little apartment building and uh, there was a neighbor upstairs who every Friday night would come home with a box of pizza from another pizzeria restaurant around the corner called Scarola's and he'd walk by, and I'd smell that pizza in that box. And, and I always wanted the pizza. And I don't know why. I don't know if it was a, a financial thing or my parents just didn't believe in, in you know, ordering stuff in or whatever. I'd always ask, can't we have pizza? And they said no. And I think the denial of the pizza is what gave me that love. And do you believe in that pizza cognition theory that the, the first pizzas you have as a kid that's going to sort of imprint itself on your DNA. That's going to be your favorite pizza. Like, had you grown up next door to Ellen B. Spumoni Gardens, you'd be a square guy, but you grew up with a place that was doing wedges. The slice that I had on Sal's near Church of McDonald proves that theory, because to this day, I just love that slice. I masqueraded as a corporate IT professional, okay? First, I... Um, I, I didn't graduate high school, then I didn't graduate two colleges, all right? I started, I went to photography school first. Um, but I wound up, you know, doing IT. I worked at the Port Authority and the World Trade Center, and then I went on and on and on, and I did it for 30 years, but I chose it because it was supposed to be lucrative. It was the future when I did it, like in 1980. But I wasn't wired for it. I didn't know that I wasn't wired for it. I thought, oh, I'm good in math, right? So that should be good and, you know. Eventually, I plateaued because I was competing with people who were geeks. I wasn't a geek, you know. They had a, an early retirement. It was a no-brainer to take it because I could start drawing, at an early age, start drawing a, a fairly modest pension. Because I saw what people did. I saw working there and other places, that people would quote-unquote retire, and they'd show up the next day, sit at the same desk, and, and get consultant pay, right? So I said, I'm going to do this. So I did it, and... Um, 
After about a week, the plane slammed into the towers. Well, I was down in Houston because I couldn't find work in New York because I wasn't a geek, right? And it, just from there, it got more frustrated and frustrated. I had a friend who proposed to me to open up a, a breakfast and lunch franchise called Le Peep, right? He was going to fund the whole thing. He, uh, he was a quote-unquote retired construction company guy. He said to me, I'll build a place out for you. Just give me 5% of the gross. And that sounded like a great deal to me, right? So we started looking and looking all over Jersey. This is when I was living in New Jersey. And uh, fortunately, I didn't find any the proper space, right? And eventually I started realizing this isn't really what I want to do. I, I, I never made pizza in my life, ever. But I love to cook. I'd cook at home. I'd invite friends over. I, I'd dream about it during the week. I'd plan menus and I'd find excuses. Somebody's getting, my, one of my sons is getting First Holy Communion, a confirmation. We'll have a party at the house, 50 people, boom. You know, and I, I start cooking, you know, two days before. And you built a pizza oven in your backyard. I did build a pizza oven in my backyard. I didn't build it as a hobby. I built it when I decided, after not, deciding that I wasn't going to do the La Peep thing because I really had pizza in my blood and not, you know, Eggs Benedict or whatever, somebody else's recipe, Eggs Benedict, that I was going to prove to myself I could do it because you, you have to believe that you could accomplish what you're going to accomplish or you're not going to move forward. You're just going to get discouraged and, and that's it. But once I, I had belief, I, and, you know, I, I would move forward and go through those walls of fears, as I call them. Part of my belief was looking around and seeing other guys do what I wanted to do, okay? Mark um, Iacono from Lucale, he never made pizza in his life. And literally, within less than a week, he opened up this place. It took him two and a half years to build it on his own. But less than a week, he had the most popular pizzeria in New York, literally, right? So that was some of the belief that I had. But the other belief I needed to give myself, I need to make the pizza. So I found free plans online. My, my friend, who I thought would be excited about me, wanted to do this pizza thing, the same friend. Um, I didn't realize how discouraged he was by it, disappointed, but he did help me build the oven. I said, you know, because he had a passion for masonry, like I have a passion for pizza. I built the oven, and I started practicing and experimenting. I did it for two years. And it, it, it gave me everything that I needed, except, I, you know, it gave me that belief it gave me the opportunity to practice, experiment. It gave me the opportunity to show other people that I could make pizza. A lot of the people, I needed investors, friends and family, small amounts. Every single one of them, almost every single one of them, came to my house and had pizza at my house first. An interesting thing about what you're talking about, a lot of guys when they're practicing and getting this idea in their heads, maybe they're doing it, they've got a pizza stone in their oven at home, and they're baking on a stone deck at maybe 550 or 600 if they can jerry-rig their oven. But you're practicing with wood fire in a beehive brick oven in your backyard, so your intention was always wood-fired pizza. Absolutely, because I saw that you know it was simple. Okay, I needed simplicity, right? And, and, and it was romantic, I liked the idea of it. I went to places like Motorino, um, Lucala, he was wood-fired, and that's what I wanted to do. At first, I was going to open up in Jersey City because I thought that, you know, to have a safety net, I was going to have to keep my job and do this, right? I wanted, in the back of my mind, I started coming to Brooklyn. I saw what was going on. It's where I was from. I saw the, you know, the critical mass that was forming here and how exciting it was. I wanted to be part of that, but I didn't think I could because how am I going to get to, to Brooklyn every day after my job and this and that? And a friend of mine said to me, and, and I didn't realize at the time my friend was thinking that he might be an investor, right? He said, you know, 
you try to do that, the people, if you want to have investors, they're going to want to know that you're concentrating 100% of the time on your pizzeria and at the job. And I said, and they wouldn't mind you taking enough salary to be able to pay your bills. And that just opened everything up for me. Because one of the big frustrations was in New Jersey, you got to buy a liquor license from somebody who has one. And it's, it's six figures, like upwards of half a million dollars. And when I saw that I could get a wine, because in New Jersey, you can't get a wine and beer license. You have to get the full license, right? In New York City, for $505 a year, I could do wine and beer. I said I had to get there. That's nothing. 500 bucks a year? Yeah. No, 505. 505. 505. Okay. It's actually, I think, 9.50 for two years or whatever. Forget the math. But, and that really pushed me over the edge there. And, and, and I, I started coming here and I got excited about, about doing that. And I wanted to open up in Williamsburg. I was completely enamored with Williamsburg. It was the place to be. It's where, you know, there was a real buzz. But along the way, I picked the brains of everyone who was doing what I wanted to do. One was uh, Matthew from Motorino. The other was uh, Michael from Fornino. It was those two who were in Williamsburg, right? And uh, it's funny, I asked Matthew, I can't, I can't do a Belgian-Italian accent very well, but I said, you think, because I found a really cool spot. He said, well, that's a little too close, Paulie. So I, you know, I couldn't step on his toes. So I, I, I was enamored more than any place with, with, uh, with Roberta's, and I saw what they did. Okay, I want to be like Roberta's so badly. People were making fun of me for that, you know. I remember I was trying to hire a couple of front of house people, and they were getting mad at me because I, 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 I thought about having an oven the same color as Roberta's. It should be any color but red. <laughs> so, you got um, that Pavese oven, right? Yeah. I said, well, I saw what they did. They went and they found the next neighborhood. Before it was the next neighborhood, I said, I need to do the same thing. So I came, to, I came to Greenpoint one night, and I looked around, and I wanted Bedford and North 7th, okay? I wanted the bicycles and, and the tattoos, and I came over here to Greenpoint on Manhattan Avenue, and I saw anything but. I saw Polish restaurants, nothing wrong with a Polish restaurant, nothing wrong with dollar stores, but that's all I saw. I was disappointed. But somebody encouraged me to come back and look further, and I found this part of Greenpoint, which was just incredible, the intersection of Greenpoint and Franklin. And I saw that, and I knew I was home. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking with Paulie G about uh, not only the restaurant, but the slice shop and his franchising corporation he had to set up. Uh, all that when we come back, plus some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks. So stay with us. You've been hearing a lot about cup and char pepperoni lately, from New York to Detroit and even L.A., the nubby tiny cups curl up when baked due to their natural casing with charred edges and tiny flavor jammed interiors. Hormel's been making cupping pepperoni since the 1940s and now their Rosa Grande cup and char pepperoni is showing up in some of the best pizzerias in America. The natural and collagen casings have an intensely savory smoky flavor with a kick from spices like cayenne, red pepper, anise, paprika, and fennel. Every stick is inspected by hand to ensure the best quality. They come four ways. Thick cut, that's eight slices per ounce. Thin cut, extreme, with extra garlic and black pepper. And if you want to slice them yourself, you can get them as a whole stick. I got to try some of each, and let me tell you, these little babies pack a ton of flavor. To try some for free, just go to rosagrandepepperoni.com slash pizza city. And if you own a pizzeria or work for one, here's the deal they'll send you a 25-pound case of any of the varieties I just mentioned by simply filling out the form. That's rosagrandepepperoni.com slash pizza city 
to try some for yourself. Rosa Grande, cupping and charring the pizza world. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're here talking with Paulie G at his slice shop in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, uh, at the corner of Franklin and Noble. Noble. And uh, the last segment, you're talking about how you got to open the restaurant. And when you did open in 2010, you were doing, how would you describe it, kind of a wood-fired artisan overnight ferment? It was more than overnight, but it was was Neapolitan-inspired. I developed it over those years with with that pizza oven in my my backyard. How long did you tweak this recipe until you really got it to the point at the restaurant where you're like, I'm satisfied with this? I did different things for about two years. And when we opened up the restaurant, we still did some tweaking. So it was about two and a half years before we dialed it in, and we haven't really made any changes since. And no pepperoni allowed on your pizzas? There was no pepperoni allowed on my pizzas in our original location. Hot supersada is what I love, and that was one of my prohibited peas. I have many prohibited peas, like pasta, pesto. I've broken a lot of these rules, by the (laughs) way. I broke the pesto rule. I broke peppers. but definitely was not pepperoni. And very creative names and creative toppings, um, and you even spawned, I mean, Mike's Hot Honey. Mike used to work for you, right? He did. Um, the creative names I got from Roberta's. Roberta's was great with these creative names, and um, the, the, the topping combinations came from my desire and my, my love for a, a pizza that combined sweet and savory. One of the brains that I picked was Chris Bianco, and I was wondering, do I want to make my own fresh mozzarella at a restaurant. Now, I was doing it at home, and it came out good, but, you know, it could be inconsistent. And he said to me, he said, Paul, you know, I make my own. We were sitting in Pizzeria Bianco with my son, and, and I don't remember a lot of the conversation because we were drinking on an empty stomach, but one thing I definitely remember was he said, you know, Paulie, I make my own fresh, fresh mozzarella here because I can't find anything good here in Phoenix, but if I were you, back in New York, you got a hundred guys that can make great fresh, fresh mozzarella, you, you go to them, you support them, they'll support you, and, and I use that as a model for everything else. It, it wasn't local to be, to be local to save gas on the truck that's going to deliver the cheese. It was local to build a community, right? You're in a city, in a region that has great products. Exactly. And, and that's, you know, so he encouraged me to do that, and I started looking for people who I could support because I knew if I found people locally whose products I featured, that's going to help. You know, that's going to help build my business. Their friends are going to come there. And uh, I remember going to a, a food market they had that was illegal, and they got shut down, by the way. But the, the first product I did this with was, um, was a bacon marmalade that somebody was doing. So anybody you want to name check in terms of your toppings you're using, like the cheeses or meats where you're sourcing anything from? My, my cured meats, my, my, my hot supersada, and my guanciale is the finest around. As far as I'm concerned, I get it from Solomonia or Balese. Okay? I love those guys. I love their products. Um, it's just a bunch of stuff that, that I use, but we'll you, go with that. Are you using uh, any particular type of flour? I am. Caputo Pizzeria flour. Here at um, the Slice Shop, we're using uh, Red Rose, which is from Central Milling. It's great stuff. And about how long do you ferment your pies at the restaurant? Uh, we, we ferment our pies for a while. There you go. Okay. Um, and, then <laughs> and then you got this idea. You, always, you wanted to do a Slice Shop, and I'm interested because... At the beginning of the show, you talked about the pizza you grew up eating, which was not the kind of pizza you're doing at the restaurant. That was the one you were messing around with in your backyard. Now we're sitting here in the slice shop, about three-minute walk from the restaurant, by the way. Um, And you are kind of doing the slices that you had as a kid, I'm guessing, yeah? Not kind of. I'm doing the slices I had as a kid. (laughs) And what happened was 
Um, things were going well, and I was looking to expand, and there was a way to expand next door. I thought I was going to do that somehow, and the, the landlord next door pulled the plug on it and whatever, and I was frustrated. Um, see, what happened was the pizza that we serve at the wood-fired place, it does not travel well at all. And, and I, you have a no-takeout policy, right? No takeout at all. I, you know, I did it for four years. Uh, you have to do that, you know, to, to survive first. But I hated it. I just hated I knew what that box was doing in that pizza. And finally, I said, you know what? I'm doing well enough. If I pull the plug on this, more people will come in. They'll order more alcohol when they come in rather than taking it home. And I'll make up for it. And, well, I pulled the plug. And, and I didn't make up for it right away. And in addition to that, I got a lot of heat from people. You know, we want to go to the park. Can't we just get a party to go over to Transmitter Park? We always used to do this. We loved doing it. So I figured I had to do something. I read something where you saw a guy from Postmates come in, and he had like seven pizzas, and he was going to put them on a bike and go to Bed-Stuy or something? I was so annoyed that I just blew past that fact, and I didn't know how to fit it back in. I'm so glad you asked me. Right. Um, one day, a guy comes up with a bicycle, and I see him grabbing seven pies and tying them to the bicycle. I said, what are you, what are you? he didn't look like he was from the neighborhood, okay? And I said, hey, you go, you're going to a party? You got a party? What's going on? He says, oh, no, I'm with Postmates. Oh, really? I said, so where are you going with these pies? Uh, Stuyvesant Town, okay? Now, Stuyvesant Town is a very short, very, very short distance away if you can swim and keep the pies dry, okay? So right, it's directly across the river from us, and we're a block and a half from the river. I think you asked if he was taking a helicopter. I think I did. Okay, how you getting there? And, and, and I knew at that point that those pies were going to be terrible, right? And so I stopped it. And eventually I said, I ha you know, I have to do something here. I said, you know, New York style pizza travels well. It reheats well. Because that's the other thing. Some of these pies that we're serving at the wood fire place, you can't reheat them. You got to tell them, take this off, take that off, put it back in. And so I went over to a little shop. You know, I had already initiated the process to help other people open up their own pool of G's wood fire places. And one of the things I always advise them is if you're looking for a spot, you want to have a spot that's a restaurant already because, you know, opening up a place and converting it is a nightmare, right? And I told them, you know, sometimes you just got to find a place that maybe they're not doing that well, but, you know, maybe they don't think they can sell a place. I said, but go and approach them and say, hey, Listen, I'm sure you're doing very well, but if you ever think of, you know, getting out or whatever, please contact me. So, um, and, and that kind of plants a seed in the guy's head of, oh, maybe I can get some of this, right? So I advise people to do that, and I did it with this guy at this little place, Franklin Pizza, and he said, yeah, 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 and then he strung me along for about six, seven months. He kept on raising the price. There's something was going on there where he really didn't want to sell, Right. But th at that point, I was opening up a slice shop. That was going to happen. Because soon after I approached him about it, I started thinking about what it was going to look like. And I got so excited, I said, I could make it look like the places I went to when I was a kid. And here, now my mind is off and running, and, and I, I started curating this whole thing. I started buying benches. The benches that you're sitting in right now, okay, they were in a slice shop in Martinsville, New Jersey. They were there for 30-something years, and my, my children sat in these benches growing up, okay? I went, I went to the pizza shop to pick his brain because now I have to learn how to make New York-style pizza, right? I have to do the same brain picking. And I went to this Joe's Pizza in Martinsville, and the son 
was running the place, and I started talking about what to do, what to get, what, what do I do about, you know, like shredding the cheese, blah, blah, blah. And I was excited because I read this book. It's a great book, and I know you know it. I know a lot of people out there know it, New York Pizza Project, okay? Um, and in that book, there's all these old pizzerias. It was like, that, that's, you know, that's where I was getting all my ideas. But there were these orange boots in there, and they were the same orange boots that was in a pizzeria, Corner Pizza with a K, in Kensington that I went to growing up. And I had this picture of another place in Bay Ridge called Elegante, and I had these boots. I kept it on my phone. So I talked to Jerry. I said, hey, Jerry, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make it like an old-school pizzeria. Like, I mean, I'm going to get benches like these, right? And I had forgotten that he had redesigned his place a few years earlier, right? And he says to me, I have those. I got six of those. Six of those. Yeah, they're in my garage. My wife is going to kill me if I don't get rid of them. I was about to chop them up at the end of the week. I said, what do you want for them? He says, want for them? I'll, I'll just take them, please, right? It turns out he had eight, not six, right? Um, by the way, I thought I only needed seven, and I promised one to Scott Weiner, and to this day, I never made good on that promise. I, I got to work on that. So. <laughs> so how do you describe the, the pizza here? It's New York, classic New York-style pizza. Uh, I, I make mine very simple. I don't, put, I don't put spices in my sauce. I don't do anything fancy like that in, in, uh, on my regular slices. It's slices and Sicilian slices. Uh, all my Sicilian slices have a nice little feature. Um, I love an upside-down Sicilian. So I, I, Prince Street, L&B. For folks who don't know, upside-down means cheese and then sauce. Correct. There was another place in Whitestone called Freddy's. Good slice. Oh, this, we've been there. We have. The sesame and the undercarriage. And I really liked that. I liked that idea. I said, you know what? I'm going to combine those two. And, and, and it came to me. I said, I could call it the Freddie Prince. You know, so now all these, you know, these youngsters, oh, how, the Freddie Prince Jr.? I said, no, 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 no. That's not the guy, his father, okay? <laughs> so, and um, so all our Sicilians have that. We have, vegan, we have a vegan Sicilian with that. Um, the Freddie Prince, which I just described, we have a vegan version of that. We have a vegan Vidalia, which I, it, it's sort of, it's an homage to my Sicilian roots and a sfinchone. There's a, a sfinchone will have, typically have anchovies in there. Well, I want this to be vegan, no anchovies, right? I want it to be vegetarian. We have three stands now in Madison Square Garden, and we're about to introduce the vegan Vidalia there. It's going to be the first vegan slice. As long as you're talking about expansion, I want to ask you about the franchising. So you set up a corporation. Um, I know Derek very well in Chicago. You wanted to be in, in Wicker Park. You guys eventually settled in Logan Square, which I think you said in, your, in the article I read about you was sort of, that was like Greenpoint is to Williamsburg, what Logan Square is still is a Wicker Park. But how does this, how is this working in your mind? You've got, you're in Baltimore, I think Columbus. You had one in Miami that closed and in Chicago. This is a complicated answer, now, and you got to bear with me a little bit. One thing, before I opened up the pizzeria, the, 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 the way I got the, the courage to do this is I, I was once a multi-level marketeer. And part of being a multi-level marketeer, you go to conferences where they encourage you to do things and set goals. And at that point, I learned that you can help yourself by helping other people. The, the greatest discovery of this whole venture is I was meant to be the boss and not have a boss. And it's been wonderful, right? So I know now that I can help other people open up their own spots and they can be their own boss and they'll treat the place the way I treat mine because uh, one thing, you have to be in your place to make sure it's running right. Even when you're there, it, it, it doesn't always work out right. You know, I have to make sure they're running the oven hot, the, the, you know, the light bulbs aren't changed. So um, 
I decided that I was going to help other people take the knowledge that I gained and, and, and do that. And, and not require only that style of pizza, because like in Chicago, you let Derek run on his own and do Detroit style in addition to what he's doing. I, I knew that if I said this is exactly what you, know, you have to do, that person wasn't going to feel like they own their own restaurant. They had to be creative. They had to feel like it was theirs. And I knew I had to give them that autonomy. Sometimes, you know, it's very painful, but I give it to them nonetheless. That's the okay. lapeep in the back of your mind saying you got to let them be creative. Yes, absolutely, because that discouraged me from doing the lapeep thing. Very good. You know, I, I, I let people do that. I, and we start out, you know, it's sort of like a crutch. You start out maybe three quarters of the pies were from what we were doing. And then you go from there. And now we're really blowing up those same ovens that um, Derek just got in Chicago to do to expand his production of the Logan Squares. We just got in Baltimore to do the same thing with some sort of the same style. We learned along the way that people hear pizza, they hear takeout and delivery. And you just can't, you can't survive without doing that. We, you know, I helped four people open up, but one of them is gone now. And, and probably part of the reason was that we didn't start out with, with the takeout and delivery, and especially this was Miami. It breaks my heart to this day. I, I hate thinking about it. Knowing what you know now, which is a lot about pizza, because you started off back in, you know, you said you knew nothing about pizza. Knowing what you know now, what would you have told yourself 2008, 2009 before opening your restaurant in Greenpoint? Do it. Just do it. Do it. Very simple. Paulie G., Thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, coming up in two weeks, I catch up with one of Paulie's young partners who quit a stable career in healthcare administration to make pizza. I reached out to Paulie, I reached out to two others, and Paulie was actually the one that took the most time to get back to me in terms of just spending time and effort. So, you know, we texted, we had phone calls, we had emails, we got to know each other, we visited each other in each other's cities. It's like any good relationship just building up. Um, and eventually he said, you know, would you like to work with me and open up a spot in Chicago? And my wife and I hemmed and hawed about it for probably about three nights. And ultimately the question for us was, would we regret, would we kick ourselves for not trying? Derek Tung owns the Pauly G's in Chicago, but he's made it his own, adding a stellar Detroit-style pizza to the menu you will absolutely love. That's in two weeks on February 14th. Get it? Love? Valentine's Day? Okay, remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a review, too. That would help. That would, I'd love to see what you guys think about the show. We're at Pizza City USA on Instagram, and more information about the book and our weekly tours, uh, you can visit us at pizzacityusa.com. I'm on all social media, at Steve Delinsky, by the way, if you want to shout at me. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song, and next time you're in Chicago, check out Revival Food Hall in the Loop, where Palermo's 95th is currently baking its Southside Chicago thin pizzas, not tavern style, but thin, even though they're square cut for the next few months. Gotta get them with Italian beef and jardinera, please. Thanks for listening, everybody, and here is wishing you an optimal bite ratio, always. <laughs>